Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bright Future with your host, Samuel Adams. This is a political and philosophical podcast that follows current events, primarily in the United States. Here, we look at our nation's and our world's laws, views, people, and issues, our possible solutions to those issues, and how we might do better, so that there may one day be a bright future. As always, the rules for our debate. Rule number one, do not insult others and instead discuss and debate each other's argument in a respectful manner. Rule number two, keep your opinions flexible to take into account new information, perspectives, and ideas. Rule number three is Hanlon's razor, or do not attribute to malice that which can be attributed to stupidity. Rule number four is Occam's razor, uh, which is keep in mind that simpler explanations that make the least assumptions are more likely to be correct. Rule number five is Hitchens' razor. That which can be stated without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. However, there are exceptions to this, like basic universal truths, like the Earth is an oblate spheroid. Lastly, rule five, the Sagan standard. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence to prove. While I do these record these episodes in a voice chat and anyone is free to join, this podcast is not currently popular enough yet to regularly have other members join and follow these rules. That being said, these rules stand for the comments if you're listening to this on YouTube or for the chat room, or if you're in my Discord server. They also apply to me, and I always try to keep them in mind when writing and recording these episodes. With no further delay, let's begin. Last week, I talked about a statement by Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre on a new bill introduced by Senator Graham. Corrine's statement was released the same day that the bill was read to the Senate. She was highly critical of the bill and tried to explain how terrible it was for American women and how out of touch it was with the American people's belief. Unfortunately, at the time I was recording and releasing the episode, the bill was not yet available for anyone to even read at the time, so I couldn't actually talk about the bill itself. All I had to go off of was Corrine's statement. Now, however... The bill is out. The press secretary's job, at least according to Wikipedia, is to collect and share information about the president's administration and current actions. And because all I had to go off of last week was that statement, I was very disappointed with Corrine's work uh, because it didn't tell me very much about the bill. Another thing I completely overlooked last week is that this bill had nothing to do with Biden's administration yet because it was still in the House. It had only been introduced, it hadn't been debated on or voted on yet, and most bills don't even get that far. So, why single this bill out? If it weren't for Korean's statement, I would have never even known about it. Biden's administration could have just shut up and let it die in the House without us ever even being aware that it existed. Instead, the statement encouraged me to actually get the facts myself, and since I can't get them from the statement, I did what I've done in the past when I want to know more about a possible law. I read the thing. It's finally available on congress.gov. It's S4840, titled Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children from Late-Term Abortions Act. Now, I'm not a lawyer, nor do I have much legal experience. I'm definitely not fluent in legalese. So I'm a little worried about doing an episode on this one because this has been a problem when I've read previous potential laws on this show. I've downloaded and attempted to slog 
through 100 plus page PDF files of these things that use long and complicated wording that can often confuse. But much to my surprise, when I read this one, I actually understood it. It outlines what it wants to do, why it wants to do it, and how it was going to get that done in a clear and concise manner. And best of all, it's something that you could read too. It's 28 pages. And for legal documents, they are double-spaced and only have an average of 200 to 300 words per page. And while reading it, I didn't have to go looking up what those words meant in a big dictionary somewhere. So to my normal civilian eye, it's exactly what a bill should be. I know what this bill will do should it become a law, how it will do it, and why it does it. At least from a formatting standpoint, it's a good bill. However, my personal opinion about the bill is that it might need a little tweaking. Before I get to that, though, I want to talk about the rabbit hole I fell down while writing this episode. How do we make opinions? Let's go back to that statement from September 13th from the press secretary. You can find the statement yourself on the whitehouse.gov briefing room, but I'm just going to read you the first paragraph. Today, Senator Graham introduced a national ban on abortion, which would rip away women's rights in all 50 states. This bill is wildly out of step with what Americans believe. I keep reading that, and I absolutely tore into it in last week's episode. As I keep reading that sentence, I'm just thinking, did she really tell me what I should believe? Normally, in order to get the general feel of the public opinion on something, you would take a poll, study, or survey. For accurate results, you should have a large sample size and not limit yourself on location, asking people their opinions from all over the world, or in this case, all over this country. And you also need to ensure that the people asking those questions are not doing so in a leading way. For example, I could word the same question in three different ways to try and skew the results to whatever my agenda wants. Do you support people's rights to choose about their own body? Do you support people's right to abortion? Do you support the genocide of unborn children? In the right or wrong light, all three of these questions could be viewed as the same question, yet your answer to them will probably vary wildly depending on which one you were asked. If this happens in a survey, then it's going to massively skew the data. Leading an answer can look more than just how you word it, too, like what the surveyor wears, for example, or even their gender or general level of attractiveness. I'm definitely more likely to say yes to an attractive young woman than someone who looks like my dad. Another possible issue with a survey like this is, as I mentioned earlier, sample size. If I say 100% of Americans support abortion rights, but I only asked two people, that's not an accurate survey. Also, if the survey was only taken from one location, like just San Francisco or just Dallas, that can also skew the data, especially on a topic like this. Then again, this whole wondering about a survey is pointless, because in Corrine's statement when she said this, um, when she said this is wildly out of step with what Americans believe, she didn't say, according to a study, or surveys have shown. Instead, it just seems like she assumed our average opinion without actually doing any research, or worse, might have just used her own opinion as a stand-in for the entire nation's. And this statement was made before Americans could even read the bill, 
much less form an opinion on it. So, how do we form our opinions? Personally, the way I come to my opinions has changed over time, and is definitely different from how I did back in the first few episodes of this podcast. Right now, or for this episode, I looked at the raw data, I sprinkled in a little of my own experiences, and then I thought about it a lot, like I slept on it, before I came to a decision about it. I feel that this often makes my opinions accurate to how the world should work, not how it does work. However, because I generally believe in the best of people instead of the worst, my opinions can occasionally be proven wrong. Opinions like, the earth is flat. Flat earth opinions just flat out reject over 4,000 years of actual science and even experiments you can perform yourself right now to prove that the earth is round. Okay, it's technically an oblate spheroid, as I said during the intro, but that's complicated, so most scientists just say it's round. In fact, one YouTube channel called Globebusters performed such an experiment to try and prove that the Earth was flat. They used a ring laser gyroscope to try and prove that the Earth was stationary, and instead detected that it was rotating at just over 15 degrees per hour, or slightly faster than one full rotation every 24 hours. This is because the Earth actually rotates once every 23 hours and 56 minutes. That's why we have leap years to correct for that extra 4 minutes each day. Of course, Globebusters rejected this conclusion and instead that, and instead said that the gyroscope is rotating because of the rotation of the sky, not the Earth, as if we live under a rotating dome or something. Another group attempted to use a laser over still water. They aligned posts along the still water at precisely the same height, and then put holes in the post at also precisely the same height, and shined a laser through it. If the Earth was flat across this several-mile stretch of water, the laser would go through the first hole in the first, po- the first hole in the first post, cross between every hole in every post, and then out through the last hole. And instead... The laser missed the holes because the surface of the still water was, in fact, bent by several feet due to the curvature of the Earth. Remember how I said you could prove this and experiment yourself? Well, that laser experiment could have been made a lot easier if they just took a road trip to the Great Lakes. If the Earth was flat, you'd be able to sit on one shore of the Great Lakes and see straight across them and see the other shore on the far side, but... You definitely can't, because the water, the horizon, blocks your view. No matter how many binoculars or magnification instruments you bring, you'll never be able to see the other shore unless you get high enough above it. But at the point where you're high enough above to see the whole lake, you'll be able to also see that the horizon is definitely curved. An easier experiment might be to do something you do all the time, is just to stand upright. Gravity works by drawing your center of mass towards the planet's center of mass, which is why it's called the center of gravity. If the planet's a disk, or even a cube, you would be drawn towards the center of that disk, or cube face that you were were standing on. Or, in other words, you'd be leaning in the opposite direction in order to stay standing upright, but you're not. The only way that's possible on something that's flat, like a disk or a face of a cube, would be if you were standing on the exact center of that disk or face of the cube. So, if you go for a drive a ways to a different point and try again, well, 
you're still not leaning, so the only explanation for that is if you're the same distance away from the center of mass that you were at point A, and the only way that's possible is if the planet is round. Even the ancient Egyptians prove that the Earth was round. Since nearly 2000 BC, Egyptians were building obelisks in various parts of the country. Around 1400 BC, two of these obelisks, Cleopatra's Needles, were built. Currently, one's in London and the other's in New York because we love preserving ancient history. But these two needles were both almost exactly the same height. They're 21 meters, and they were located in the same ancient city of Heliopolis. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Heliopolis? Something like that. They were just a few miles apart. And it's theorized that after building them, the Egyptians put them some distance away and measured the shadows that they cast at the same time. Since the shadows weren't at the same length and angle, it must meant that at the same time, the sun was in two different spots in the sky. But there aren't two different suns, so instead of the sky being what's different, it has to be the Earth that's being different. And, well, the only way that's possible is if it's round. And by measuring the difference between the shadows, the Egyptians could even measure the circumference of the Earth. All of this being said, I have no idea why Flat Earthers believe what they do. I'm hoping that somewhere along the line they received some sort of evidence proving that it's flat, because the only other alternative that I can think of is total denial of all factual evidence. So, how should we form opinions? When I tried to Google search this, I found various opinions on how you should form opinions. Dang. Well, there seems to be three prevailing methods of how to form an opinion from what I skimmed. You can look at just the raw facts, uh, you can go with your gut instinct, or you can hold conversations with others to improve your understanding of others' backgrounds and views to redefine your own. Originally, that third option is what this podcast was. I and a few friends would sit down and discuss a topic that I had come up with for the week, as well as our own personal views on it. It was supposed to be raw, not afraid to tackle the dangerous or controversial topics. So, shortly after Roe vs. Wade was repealed, I brought abortion to the debate. I'm not going to lie, when I first started doing these episodes, it was a distracted conversation. I and my friends would be playing a video game at the same time as having the debate, whereas now I'm, I'm definitely not, I'm just sitting in a room doing nothing. In addition to that, one of my original rules from episode 1 was that you wouldn't need to cite a source or do any kind of research, a mistake I finally rectified with the Hitchens Razor rule. This led to those episodes being longer, with regular periods of silence or even side conversations that didn't apply to the topic or that needed to be edited out. How it affected our opinions, though, is something entirely different. As I said earlier, there are three prevailing methods on how to form an opinion. There's going with your gut instinct, reviewing the facts, or asking others. In the first episodes of this podcast, we just did gut instinct and ask others. As a result, our opinions were formed purely by emotion and about what each other thought about a particular topic. Any facts brought into the debate may or may not have been truthful because I didn't say anything about citing sources. Now, whenever I'm researching or writing these, I am using sources, either straight from the White House or Congress website, 
or from Wikipedia, and thanks to Wikipedia's references section in every article, combined with us nerds' incessant need to correct each other, it's actually become quite trustworthy since my elementary school days of Wikipedia isn't a valid source. However, this change in how I run this podcast seems to have also cost me all of those friends that I had with me in those earlier episodes. None of them have actually talked to me in over two months now. Rather than having a structured, in-depth debate, now it's just me talking a script into a microphone, but at least now it's actually researched. Which brings me back to that bill, S4840. It wasn't available for the public to read for over a week after it was first introduced, but it finally is now. Normally it's only supposed to take one to two days for a bill to show up on congress.gov, but it can be delayed if there's a lot of bills processed or if a bill is long. It turns out last week my fear of it being the latter was relatively unfounded. It's only 28 pages, which is nothing compared to the Inflation Reduction Act, 728 pages, or the Assault Weapons Ban of 2022, 115 pages, that I've previously covered. I recommend reading the bill yourself. You can just search S.4840117Congress, but I'll summarize here. The bill starts by quoting various medical studies and Supreme Court cases from the past 15 years about prenatal development. It comes to the conclusion from various studies that the average embryo is capable of feeling pain at just 15 weeks, and goes on to even say that if you're performing some kind of surgery on an embryo before it's born, it's necessary to use anesthesia. The bill goes on to add safeguards to ensure that once an embryo is capable of perceiving pain, an abortion would not be performed or attempted, with a few exceptions. Those exceptions include that if the pregnancy threatens the woman's life, if the pregnancy is a result of a rape and the woman's received either counseling or medical treatment for it, if the, woman is a, if the pregnant woman is a minor, or if the pregnancy is a result of incest. The bill also includes additions to if, instead of being aborted, the child is born alive, then the child is legally entitled to professional skill, care, and diligence to preserve the life and health of the child and be immediately transported and admitted to the hospital. Because that is something that happens quite often with some abortions, where if it's a later-term abortion, the child just might be born alive instead. The bill also states, A woman upon whom an abortion is in violation of this bill is performed or attempted may not be prosecuted. So no matter what, the mother or the pregnant woman will never be prosecuted for anything that's in this bill. This accurately and effectively protects the mother first. And lastly, this bill also includes definitions last. and It defines the abortion as a use of prescription or the use or prescription of an instrument medicine, drug, or any other substance or device to intentionally kill an unborn child or intentionally terminate the pregnancy of a woman with intention other than to produce a live birth or remove a dead unborn child. This definition strictly draws a line between abortion, miscarriage, and stillbirth, ensuring that if it's an accident or medically necessary to preserve life, it won't be illegal. This bill does not also in any way prosecute the woman, but instead the physician who performs the unlawful abortion. In fact, this bill would award damages to the woman if the abortion was in violation of this bill, if she chooses to seek civil action against the physician. In short, 
I don't see any downsides to this bill. It takes steps to protect life. The critics will likely say that it does prevent liberty or the right to an abortion. Which brings me to the Declaration of Independence and Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics. What? No, I promise this will make sense. Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics state the following. 1. Robots cannot injure humans. 2. Robots must follow orders unless doing so would conflict with the first law. And 3. Robots must not injure themselves unless doing so would conflict with the first or second law. Now, Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics are supposed to be for fictional, right? They're not actually designed to be used in real life. They're supposed to fictionally apply to artificial intelligence and advanced robotics in his worlds. But the order of those laws do matter. If robots worry about protecting themselves over other humans or protecting themselves over others, well, how would they react if we attempt to scrap them for a newer model or tell them to go explore another planet? Now, in the Declaration of Independence, there's a famous line that states that there are three unalienable rights which must apply to all people. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I propose that that order of those rights matters. If your pursuit of happiness would deprive someone else of their liberty, then that other person's liberty should come first, as it's more important than your pursuit of happiness. In the same stroke, it also means that if your liberty would deprive someone else of their life, then their life should come first, as it's more important than your liberty. In other words, my body, my choice, does work as an argument until that choice threatens another life, and that life is more important than your liberty or your rights. I would go further to even say that in the event that you are unsure an action you are taking could possibly injure or kill someone, you should not take that action. Driving while inebriated, not just drunk, but under the effects of any drug that could cause a negative ability uh, or negative effect on your ability to think clearly or use fine motor skills is illegal. Because the chance that you could cause an accident or injure or kill yourself or another person is greatly increased if you're incapable of quick reactions and clear thought. Even though it's not guaranteed that you might not hurt or kill someone, it's still illegal. So when in doubt, we should act first to preserve lives before liberty, yes? Liberty must be protected, of course. It is an unalienable right. But when it comes to saving lives first, shouldn't it take a back seat? I will say, I did have an issue with this bill. This bill does only address the issue of abortion. It does not address the base issue of unwanted pregnancies in the first place. I believe that it should be improved or amended by adding a way to address that issue as well, or perhaps a separate bill should be drawn up for that. Perhaps we could improve sexual education in our public schools, or, as I've mentioned in the past, grant free access to contraceptives. According to Colorado.gov and Colorado.edu, the Colorado Family Planning Initiative has driven a 50% reduction in teen births and abortions, as well as an 80% reduction in abortions overall, and this program initially began 10 years ago in 2012. The way it works is by providing free IUDs and easier access to contraceptive pills to all women over the age of 14 without requiring parental consent. One argument against this program is its cost. The program did cost $28 million in the past 10 years up front. However, Colorado's studies estimate that this program has, so far, saved in excess of $70 million in public assistance costs. 
and is even thought to have significantly improved high school graduation rates across the state. If it worked for Colorado so well, why not add something like this to the bill? It means that you won't need to invent a new solution to unwanted pregnancies, and also means that the rest of this law may no longer be needed. No unwanted pregnancies means no need for abortions in the first place. And that's the part that I had written down for scripted, so um, did you catch, how much of that did you catch, Jack? It's long, you have some well thought out things, you went into more detail than I understood from just reading what I had read, and for the most part, it doesn't seem bad, but yes, the access to contraceptives and such are something that needs to come up front first because if you want to enact something like this you need to have a way for unfortunately unpreventable teen actions to be done safely period and just having these things be available to younger people who have had sexual education classes are informed properly about these kinds of things would help prevent the need for this outside of very dire medical situation. Yeah, and the bill does say that if the pregnancy is threatening the mother's life, then it is still allowed. Um, that is something that can still happen. I think one of the things to put first is who life, whose life is priority in that type of situation. And I think they need a state, the hopefully obvious in state that the mother's life needs to come first before the child if it's threatening her life. Yeah, if the pregnancy is threatening the mother's life or complications arise with the pregnancy, that, that doesn't stop, this bill doesn't stop those types of abortions. Yeah, but I need, in certain cases, it's needed to state that far more obviously and straight to the point for the legal system to not have that used as a loophole somehow. Fair enough. I could see changing that as well. I fully plan on actually, like, emailing a link to this to my local Congress people to get them to go and say, hey, do this. Yeah, having them actually read it and understand the point of it, and not just having them read it, but tell them your opinion on it and linking them the whole Colorado situation to it would allow them to be like, okay, if you want this to happen, we need to do this. Because for the most part, from what you've said, it sounds mostly exactly like what people want this to be like. I've talked to a lot of people about stuff like the type of thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Because, like, the way this bill is set up is it even says why this needs to happen, right? Like, it gives sources and quotes medical studies on why this is important. And I love that. If yeah. if every bill had that, I, it would be so much better because I would actually be able to easily understand what I can and shouldn't support. Yeah. It's a 
Okay, I'm going to use firearms as a simple subject for a lot of Americans to understand. It's the idea of students and teachers don't need to be armed, but if the situation of there's a armed shooter that comes into the school from outside or the situation of a armed student suddenly becomes an issue, having an armed teacher who knows what they're doing to either de-escalate the situation or prevent potential casualties would be the main thing to do. So like a I security guard? Security guard, yeah, that would potentially work. I mean, the high school I went to, there was police officers clearly assigned to our front door. But as any student that went to the high school I went to would know, is that front door is not the only entrance or exit to the building. And there are plenty of ways for a student to sneak in or out of that school through any of the other doors, way or another. It would take maybe a piece of tape the day before to prevent one of the doors there from completely locking properly. And the next day, they could just sneak in through a different door that they rigged to not lock properly. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. But maybe like a someone who's in plain clothes, right? So that way you, you don't know. Yeah. Like a uh, 21 Jump Street type situation. Probably not. That that movie is a terrible example of what our police force should do, but... Yeah. It's more or less... We don't want to have to ever have a teacher have to do that at all to any student. Yeah, that, that would be terrible. But... If it came down to it, to save more lives... Injuring a student who is threatening to kill other students or injure other students intentionally would be considered something that that's life before liberty. Again, you're protecting the other students by making the other student no longer a threat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Does this mean we should take all firearms away from people? No. Should there be a better psychological testing for some of this stuff? Most definitely. There are some people who are most definitely unhinged and not be trusted with stuff like that. There also needs to be somewhere in this an addendum of if the woman medically does not need, but is also denied by her physician to do this procedure, but then she decides through other potentially less than legal means to attempt to do one to herself, that 
she needs to be held accountable for that. Yeah, but you don't want to throw her in prison for something like that, and she'd probably die from trying to do it herself. Because, like, that's dangerous. Don't do that. Yes, it's dangerous, but also there are types of medication that can be used to do that safely. Which is where it comes in of if you do this illegally through alternative means, it needs to be that you at least have to pay a large fine for doing this, if not jail time. Yeah, I could understand adding something like that as well, but I feel like that should maybe be a state by I feel like that should maybe be a state by state thing instead of a uh federal level thing. Um Yes and no. I think it's more something to go case by case. Because at that point, you're looking at something that is essentially murder of an infant. Mm hmm Well, I suppose, technically, if she performs it herself, then she is the physician performing the abortion, which, under this bill, would make her criminally liable. Technically. Yeah. But she can't use the she's protected part as a loophole to avoid it. Yeah. Just because you're performing it to yourself doesn't mean that you can't be liable. You need to be held accountable still for doing Yeah, for like your actions, yeah. So, for most of the United States, which I can't believe I'm having to go back to the whole north-south thing, but it seems to be more the old Confederate states and a lot of overly zealous. I don't want to stereotype it to religion, but overly zealous Christian and Catholic people from my exposure to people who are against abortion, who are extremely against it. Now, I'm pretty sure there's this one, uh, my mom listens to these episodes, she's not going to be happy about this one, but I'm pretty sure there's this one, uh, a saint, I believe it was, who, she had a terminal illness, but she was also pregnant at the time. She could have saved her own life through her own... Um, medical care, but doing so would have aborted her pregnancy, so she instead chose to go through with the pregnancy and die herself. You see, that was her choice to deny medical care. Her own I medical mean, care, yeah. When you go to any doctor, you have the option to just, if they say something that is a procedure you can't afford or you don't want to go through with, you have a full right to just outright deny taking any medication or taking any care from them outright. That's part of your right to just deny medical care. You can pass out in the middle of a grocery store, wake up in an ambulance and be like, pull over, I deny medical care from you and they can't do anything but if you're well, unconscious and pull over and let you get out 
true. you wake up in their ambulance and you say, I deny medical care, pull over, let me out. True, but... They have to do that. If you aren't capable of voicing it for yourself, they should err on the side of caution and try to save you. Yes. And that is the appropriate thing for them to do. And in every other case, it makes no sense that it takes so long for people to consider what's right in this kind of situation. Well, because, like, there's no way to really know, right? So instead, shouldn't we err on the side of caution? But... Yes. Nobody considers that, so. Yeah. Caution is the best thing we can do. There's, fortunately, no way to know what is the limit. Mm-hmm. What is the best? What's the worst? How do we protect people? And... It's a matter of uh, preventing these unwanted pregnancies is what people should more be fighting for and shouldn't be fighting so hard over this procedure that happens because of these unwanted pregnancies. We should be trying to prevent the unwanted pregnancies in the first place. I mean, I knew that always sounded like a better option, but nobody even considers it when it comes to this debate, so. Yeah, this is kind of like putting the carriage before the horse right now, I feel. If we just put a solution to unwanted pregnancies first, before abortions, this would fix 90% of the problems, if not more. And of course, in the case of race or rape, incest, and such, those are just horrible things. And I understand that not everybody is going to think the same way. Honestly, there's high likelihoods in a situation of incest that the child's going to have a miserable life and come out some horrible problem because of genetic issues that arise because of the similar DNA of their parents. Well, it's higher, but it's not necessarily guaranteed. Yeah. It is much higher and not guaranteed, but it's something to say uh, it's safer to err on the side of caution and say we're preventing a potential miserable person from trying to off themselves again rather than just letting that person try to live a life that may be absolutely terrible. Well, true, but on top of that, incest is, is incest is pretty rare in the first place. 
thankfully, by now anyway, unless you're like a descendant of a royal family that does that, but... I mean, there are still some isolated communities, but you don't really see them as much anymore. Which, fortunately, due to the amount of travel in the world, you don't have to deal with. It's far easier to meet someone you're not related to nowadays than it is to find someone related to. Yeah, you won't necessarily have to have people be like, we're keeping the bloodline pure anymore. That's like, that ended a few hundred no. years ago, at least. No. The whole royal family thing has ended a long time ago. It's not as important nowadays to anybody as it was then. Definitely not. I mean, even the royal family of England is diverging away from those old ways and moving forward. So, why not move forward and fix what's going on and stop putting the carriage before the horse. Mm -hmm. Solve the actual issue before trying to solve this other one. Let's see. What else yeah, uh, well, I could understand making it a, a separate bill that should pass first, but... When, if we just add it with this bill, too, that could work, but that could also make this bill excessively long and complicated, so. Yeah. And, I, you know, I hate long bills, because I keep looking and reading those, and uh, they suck. I would hate to say that it needs that added to it. I would say before it gets past a federal mandate for these materials to be available like a federal family planning initiative instead of just a colorado family yeah. planning initiative yes absolutely i do it, like the it, idea of taking things that have worked for smaller communities and just making them larger because you don't have to reinvent a wheel or you know find a new solution we've already got solutions just use the ones we've already got yeah Unfortunately, there are some communities and such that are going to be so against this because they believe contraceptives are evil or something, or they just don't want that in their society. But people sometimes just need to wake up and realize it's not yielden days where you need every child that you can birth born because the simple need for more children in case one dies. Yeah, dowries aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. in most places. I mean, that's only one of two particular parts to why the birth rates in America have gone down so much. 
And the other part is financially. Nobody can afford to support a family. Yeah, like, I'm 21. I've gone through three economic crises in my life, so... What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, how many times has the government shut down just because they thought they didn't have enough of whatever to keep on going? No, the I'm pretty sure the government, when it shuts down, it's because they reach an impasse on, like, the federal budget. They don't know how to, yeah. like, resolve it. And as a result, when if they run out of time and don't resolve it in time... They just, you know, they just shut down instead. I mean, if there was an easier, faster way for them to resolve that, that'd be great. But there's not particularly an easy way with all of the bureaucracy and everything in the government to get big issues sorted and solved. Yep. I'm pretty sure it was Obama who said our government's a steam liner, not a speedboat. So change takes time. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. It does take plenty of long time to change. If you were looking at this with just say on federal levels. If you gave this for people to vote on for a federal level, and you got the most voters you could possibly get out all at once for voting on this on just a federal level, I think it'd probably bring a lot of people to poll. Now, yeah, like, I'm, the first time I'm ever going to be able to vote is in November, and I'm excited for it, because I'm, like, researching my possible candidates. It's just what I'm doing for fun at work when I'm waiting for something interesting to happen. I know, I, I'm a great person to be around, aren't I? <laughs> no, you're taking more steps than a lot of people I know have, and would. Back in the election between Hillary or Trump, between the two, I thought that if I had to choose one of these two evils, who's going to respect the president that came before them more and not mess up as many good things as he was capable of doing? And I thought, Honestly, that would be Hillary. She's not the popular vote, but she was at the time the one who I thought would be most capable at handling this problem. Well, I mean, there was the problem of all of those deleted emails. Because uh, Hillary used to be Secretary yeah. of Defense, right? Yeah, there's all kinds of problems with just about any president. True. I haven't heard of one president who hasn't caused an amount of trouble out of office 
or in office. There are controversies about every president, as far as I'm aware. If you can come up with one president where there were no controversies about them, probably because they were assassinated really early into their presidency. Yeah. But, I mean, it'd at least be nice to have someone where the controversy isn't about manslaughter or inciting a riot or something like that, right? Yeah. Can we get something that's, like, normal? Uh, <laughs> like, this what? guy does his laundry dirt doesn't separate his laundry whenever he makes laundry or whatever. I, I don't know. Oh, no. Even just, like... Let's see. Um... This guy has three DUIs. That's the worst thing he's done in his life. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's better than manslaughter, but... From him and, yeah, it's just three DUIs from college when he was a stupid college student. Whoop-de-doo. He did some stupid things. He paid time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he everyone has done something stupid at some around. point. Yeah, like, I could, yeah, if if that was the worst the thing, like let's be honest, the worst thing I've ever done is sunk a car. Like that's it. That's the worst thing I've ever done. Sunk a car. I sunk a car. A lake, a pond. Um, no, the road was flooded, and I just drove into it because I didn't know any better. I was seventeen. Yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I've learned the hard way. Would have been nicer to learn the easy way, but yeah. This is another thing about the types of things that parents aren't doing what parents should do as much as they should be all the time. So. Part of this comes down to people aren't being taught enough things. Like, I know some people don't like the idea of driver's ed for high school, but bringing back driver's ed, actually having the information people need to understand. And in some ways, there's a lot of information that people need to be able to understand and a lot of information that high school students should be confronted with that are either local law, federal law, and such before they even have to go into the workforce. Because you need to teach people more about filing their own taxes able to take care of themselves, how to manage basic stuff with like a car and because there are so many people that are going to have to go through that stuff. I mean, not all of them are just because there have been record numbers of father leaving their families. It's not just because of one thing other but it's still an important thing that students children teenagers high school students are taught properly 
how to take care of themselves before they turn 18. Because, for all the government knows, once they're 18, have a job, their parents could just kick them out of the house. True. So, like, having life skills in school is a good idea, because... Well, I suppose we already kind of have that. There are skills. there are some classes that do that, like uh, cooking, things like that in high school. Uh, barely. They teach you maybe how to bake, give you a few recipes. Otherwise, they don't teach you the proper way to balance your diet. They don't teach you about ways to see if you have the actual medical issue that you need to go to a doctor about how to schedule an appointment with a doctor at least they teach you how to like do like interviews and stuff because that's something that i did um they don't do that everywhere yeah we didn't do that at my school i was in j rotsy so i actually in my senior year i got to take a survival class uh, where I learned how to light a fire using flint and steel and um, using the bow methods to light no, a fire. You without you wouldn't do anything like that around here. You're going to have to go to the Boy Scouts. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like that, but for high school. Yeah, you see, there's just not enough actual life skills taught around the country in school. Or the thing about how some people were taking adulting classes to try and learn basic things like how to sew a button. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a YouTube channel from a guy whose father left him and his mother when he was a child. Uh, and... It's called Dad, How Do I, right? Yeah, yeah. And he now teaches... Probably hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions at this point, how to do things that fathers should have been able to teach their children, but these people just didn't have a father, or their father died before they had the chance to learn these things. Unfortunately, a lot of these life skills are left up to parents to try and teach their children. But sometimes part of the issue is parents don't know these life skills either or just don't know how to really teach. Here. Or how to teach them, yeah. I suppose I didn't have that problem, though. Both my parents are teachers. <laughs> oh, yeah. you. Hopefully, I would hope you didn't have that issue. Yeah, I suppose there's there's a lot. It's not going to be a fast change to try and fix no, the world. No, no, it's it's, it's definitely going to be a slow thing. But we at least need to head in the right direction, right? Oh yeah. Okay, I'm going to make this very obvious, just for you and anyone else on this channel. When I say or refer to out somewhere in the middle of Utah. It more or less means out in the absolute. BF out in the sticks. The boonies. 
No, okay. Uh, Sticks, boonies, no. Yes. Uh, Do you know where the BF middle of nowhere is? Uh, Where I grew up. (laughs) Do I actually have to say what that phrase is before you say okay? I'm not sure what you're talking about now. Oh, out of, yeah, I, yeah, that. Okay. Unfortunately, a lot of stuff goes like that. Finding the right people who are going to put the point into actually making sure people can learn what they need to learn is difficult. Or even just putting people who have our nation's best interests at heart instead of, hmm, I'm going to use this job to do insider trading. Oh, yeah, and make yourself a bunch of money. That, by the way, are very illegal, as there's many laws against it. Yeah. Did you know the press secretary's yearly salary is five times my wage? I mean, it makes sense that they get paid more, but five times as much? I mean, it's not, like, an incredible amount either. It Well, also, it's in D.C., so I suppose housing costs and everything will be way higher, the standard of living. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably fair, but, like... I mean, she's definitely more qualified when it comes to these things than I am. Well, well until she tries to tell thing. me what my opinion is, but... Here's the thing. My mother makes... I think right now twelve fifty an hour. I was making twelve even when I started working at a liquor store, and she works as front desk for a medical facility where I live. I was but that was when because there's also um. That was when, though, because there's also inflation to worry about, so... 2018. 2018. Oh, well, never mind then. Yeah. I was almost making the same amount as someone who needs specialization, needs to understand how to schedule appointments, how to work your system, understand that... Probably has some kind of higher education, right? Yeah. 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 You want to know her actual qualifications for doing that well, job? You probably shouldn't give out her personal information on this podcast without her present it's or not knowledge, personal but information. Not personal information. I'm not going to mention her name. I'm going to simply put up what information is relevant. It's not direct. Okay, fair enough. She used to work for my grandmother in her office. The mother my grandmother had her own chiropractor's office. My mother would work front desk for her. She started working for her mother at like 14, 16, doing this. That included both scheduling appointments and billing customers as well as billing insurance. 
And you got to remember, this was when she was 14. So she was doing all this by paper, all by hand, none of it digital. They would have maybe been lucky to have one computer. For college? Yeah, she went to a medical college. Probably not the type of medical college you'd expect. She was licensed as a... You get out there. What so, was she licensed as? A massage therapist. Oh, and you actually have to, like, go to a medical school for you that? You have to get a license for it, yes. Okay. So, anyone who says chiropractors and massage therapists are not real doctors, shut up, sit down, you don't understand how much training they legally have to go through for that. Hmm. And it's a lot of important training. Yeah, I suppose you wouldn't want to accidentally break someone's spine while you're trying to realign it or something, but... And not just that, there are chiropractic adjustments that involve popping the vertebrae along the neck to de-stress the muscles as well as realign the different vertebrae in the neck. If you do that wrong, and you can look up videos for this online. You know what? I, I think I'm good. <laughs> probably plenty of court cases where chiropractors have accidentally just snapped someone's neck. Because Maybe I'll look up the court cases and just read, but I'm not. I'm I'm good with not looking at the videos. Yeah, you probably don't want to. Um, and that's probably the best you can come out with, because there is the potentiality of if they don't actually outright kill you by accident, they could just paralyze you. Which I personally think being paralyzed would be worse. Because, like, you have to have everything taken care of. You aren't able to do anything yourself. That would... Yeah. Yeah. And you might actually still be conscious and just have to watch as people take care of you. That and would... For all they know, you could have an unbearable itch right under your left or right nostril. Oh gosh, and you wouldn't be able to get it, yeah. Anyway, is that all you got for today? I think that's all I've got. Oh, you're definitely muted. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up then. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Bright Future. Feel free to comment on this episode on YouTube, discuss this and other topics in my Discord server, or join the conversation live on Twitch. New episodes are recorded every Monday at 7 p.m. Central Time, and are released every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. See you next week.